We're going to accompany Mary and Joseph into the temple here with Jesus. In the, uh, Anna is not an extra, you know, it, the, the, uh, the church has a shortened version of this gospel, and it was my, uh, I remember uh, before being a priest that she was often left off, and I believe that but the gospel should be read in its entirety rather than shortening the gospel and lengthening the homily, you know, right? So I believe in both, a long gospel and a long homily. <laughs> Boy, that didn't get much laughs. Got you worried, didn't it? Um, so Anna and Simeon are really, uh, they're, they're two bookends. They, they both have something to say. They're, they're two parts of a whole of how God reveals things to us and how God appears to us and they're both just they're on the scene at the right moment both of them in different ways so the holy family are doing exactly what the law requires and the uh, for a family that has some means they would offer a lamb uh, or a, 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 a a goat or something like that and if you were a poor family a turtle dove or two young pigeons i hardly know the difference between those two but can you imagine uh the Holy Family coming with a pigeon to sacrifice for Jesus. They don't need a lamb. They've got one. He is the Lamb of God. There's an irony there. The real lamb is in their hands, but they can't afford, you know, an animal, so they offer a pigeon. That's how poor they are. That's how you can tell, again, the the scriptures emphasizing the, the, the physical poverty of Jesus and Anna as well, uh, and that they yet they are wealth, wealthy beyond anybody's imagination because they're holding the Christ. And nobody knows except these two uh, lowly individuals that, that are passing. Imagine how many people are coming and going in the temple complex during this time. It's under construction. It's still very much a work in progress, 30 years prior to Jesus' beginning of his ministry. Um, Herod just, is just constructing the, the Temple Mount, reconstructing it. And so there's a lot of hubbub there and many people coming and going. Jesus is just one of many families that will be coming for this consecration. And so you couldn't pick them out in a crowd, but these two did. So Anna, um, Anna and Simeon, Anna is always in the temple. She is a widow. In that culture, widows did not have an income. She very likely received alms while she was there. She was a, somebody who wept and fasted, and people would give them offerings sometimes so they'd pray for them. And so Anna was, was uh, by her presence there, was a sign and a part of, part of the landscape. People were used to seeing her there. She was always with God. Again, the temple was laid out so that you would have the court of the Gentiles, which uh, at the time of Christ, by the time Christ came on the scene as a man, this is what the part that he would clean out. That was the temple. That's where the people that weren't Jewish would go. Then you'd have the court of the women, the next uh, court in. The court of the men would be uh, somewhat in front of the temple, and then only the high priest or the priests would go in to the altar, which is right in front of the temple, and the high priest alone would go in the temple. So they weren't in a building. They were on the temple complex. And so as, they, as the Holy Family approaches, they enter through the court of the Gentiles into the court of the women, and there's Anna, and she's praying, and she, she is filled with the Spirit because she's always with the Lord. She represents that part of us which, um, in an ideal situation, our lives are 
we are praying people, and then we are with the Lord as we go about our daily business. We spend our, our time with the Lord here in church, and we also hopefully are praying at home each day. Um, look how many are going to give two hours, no, no offense intended, to the Super Bowl, which is a great thing, but do we give time to God, you know, because there's a lot of insights there. And if we are praying, we will recognize Christ when he shows up on the scene. Anna recognizes Jesus because she is a praying person. She's always with God. You might say she practices the presence of God. She stays in the present moment. She, her life is a prayer. This is a, a, a hint to us that God will, we will recognize him if we are, our fundamental option, let's put it this way, is, a, is to be a person of, of prayer, an outpost of Christianity in a world that doesn't know where it's going. Anna does know. In fact, she sees more than the high priest does, as it turns out. Now, Simeon, on the other hand, he's um, uh, a man, he's in the Levitical class, and he's coming and going. He, the Spirit somehow prompts him to come in at that moment, but he's, he's not always in the temple. He belongs there, uh, but he is just passing through the court of the women into the court of the men, where Jesus would have been brought by both of his parents there at the doorway between the two, and there they would present him in the temple. And so Simeon just happens to be on the scene at the right time, at the right moment. So Anna's always there. Simeon uh, has a fortuitous encounter and recognizes Jesus. So in these two ways, we see that by, by our, our efforts at living our, our faith and praying, like Anna, we will be open to receiving God's message. And then when he does come by surprise, like, like we hear in the, in the first reading, suddenly the Lord will come to his temple and there'll be a purification but who will recognize him when he comes? We are the temple, and suddenly he will come to his temple. It's, of course, it's about Christ coming, uh, but it's also about him coming to us individually, to his temple. Well, I recognize him in that moment. So we have that dynamic going, and that really gives us a good uh, picture of the spiritual life. I find that, personally, when I'm praying about a sermon, uh, most of the insights will come after prayer. Prayer makes us open to receiving God, then we are more readily able to recognize him in our current personal situations, sufferings, trials, uh, even the Super Bowl. I invite you to look at the ads. Uh, all I can say is I don't know what ads are there. I just know which one won't be there. Uh, the, the pro-life ad was banned. All the others were allowed. The only one I know of that was banned was a pro-life ad. Too controversial. If you're a praying person, that, you might learn something there. That's all I'm going to say, is that uh, this is not the kingdom of God that we're living in. But having said that, I'm saying you can see him everywhere. The more we pray, the more we see, the more insight God gives us. This week we had this, uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, uh, bring up basketball, Colby Bryant uh, was very much in the news. Basketball is my favorite sport, actually. I grew up, uh, or I should say I lived many years next to what was called the Fabulous Forum. Does anybody here know what the Fabulous Forum is? Anybody been? Yeah. It's, they, the Lakers used to play in Inglewood. I lived in Westchester. and It was a beautiful round building. looked like a, well, it looked like a, like a Roman Forum. Okay. Uh, and, uh, they, they moved out years ago, but they were neighbors, and I was a Laker fan then, and of course I switched allegiances immediately after coming up here. I, I did. I did. 
You don't believe me? Uh, so one of my good friends who's extremely uh, Kobe Bryant fan, he, he texted me and he said, I just pulled off the freeway and, and, and wept uh, when he heard the news and texted me. And, I, of course, I looked it up. And, I, you know, Kobe Bryant, God bless him, he gave, I never saw so much positive coverage of the Catholic Church from that thing. You know, uh, every, every news outlet in the country covered the fact that he'd been at Mass that morning. And perhaps a little less known was the fact that in his very public trials with his, with his uh, wife and family, when they, when they had uh, some difficulties, it was a Catholic priest that brought him back to the faith and, uh, and made him strong in the faith and saved their marriage as well. And that's very interesting. That's why he was so fervent. And in fact, he had gone not to Sunday Mass, but to daily Mass with his daughter before getting on that helicopter. Daily Mass. And so you can see, I saw a parable in this. He, he said, uh, when he was living, he said, you know, I've won a lot of awards and made a lot of money and a lot of fame. Uh, and he said, Wilt Chamberlain was his idol when he was growing up. That's when I lived there is when Wilt was playing. Um, and uh, he said, but you know, what matters to me, my awards, my treasure is my family and my four daughters. How about that? And that, that comment will live long after he's long forgotten in the, in the world of basketball. And I think his life and death was a parable, not to go on about it. But if you're listening, if we're praying, we can see that even in a tragedy, God has something to say to us. Maybe one of the best impacts he ever made. Uh, in fact, the helicopter went down two miles from where my dad used to live. So I recognized that area too. So it's like I'm thinking, oh my gosh. But what the real impact was just that he had prayed like Anna. He was in the temple. So there's that part. Remember, this is the week before the gospel. And then he has the, the encounter we're all going to have, much to his surprise, in... In, in person, suddenly he found himself in the temple. The Lord had come. For most of us, we come here and pray, and we're going to encounter Jesus in a surprising way, not in death, not in life, we should say, uh, in eternal life, but in the circumstances around us. And we're challenged, really, am I a praying person? Do I recognize Jesus in the moment, in the opportunity to serve, to learn, to grow, to suffer, to have joy, the joy of having a beautiful day, joy, even watching sports together. Um, but to recognize that Jesus is going to speak to you somehow, uh, like he did with Anna and Simeon and through many of us in the country with that one incident. Uh, it was so moving. I want to finish with a little sick call. We've had nothing but sick and death calls here for three weeks. I think the, like, I think I said last week, the angel of death must have gone across Kaiser here. It's been very challenging for me as a priest and also for every family that I've, I've had to minister to. But um, I've got something. I think this was an allergic reaction because I'm getting over it. But, but yesterday Friday, I was very, very exhausted uh, in fighting this, this. I could hardly talk and so on. And worried about the weekend and wanting to rest so I'd be able to get through the weekend. Didn't know what was happening. So I went over to the house after Mass at noon, I had four or three hours just laying there, um, you know, kind of in recovery mode, and, and I got a message that somebody needed some help at the hospital. And I said, Lord, 
if the Pope is dying and Archangel Gabriel calls, I can't, I'm not doing this. That's what my first reaction was. But of course, that's, I just, I can't do it. I should have said not, I won't. But um, the backstory was, is I'd pulled the phone cord out earlier this week by accident. And I, the phone in the house wasn't ringing. We got it fixed. Only the cell phone for emergency calls, and I didn't have it with me. So uh, eventually, I did hear buzzing. By that time, it had been about a half hour, and then it took me 15 minutes to go through the stages of denial, grief, and get up and do that, which I would never, I've never missed one, you know, but I just thought, and I said, oh, God, give me strength because I can't get out of this chair, and uh, so I got up and went, and there was traffic problems uh, at 2.30 on the way to Salem, as you might know, no trains, and uh, when I got there, there's construction, as you probably know, uh, my my cheap spots were all taken that I thought I knew where to park and get in there quickly and get out. So you know what I did? This is true confessions, Boy Scouts honor. I parked in a doctor's spot. <laughs> I said, Lord, please send my guardian angel to sit on the hood so the meter maid won't see this. I've never, I honestly, I've never done that. They used to have clergy spots there and they got rid of those with building A went up. But anyway, um, I did that because I, I didn't feel good, and I didn't feel the strength to walk a long distance, frankly. And I thought this person might be dying. So it had been already a long time. So um, I went up there. Seventh floor of Building A is always very serious. Always. Building A means don't wait. So uh, I went up there as, as so many times. And, you know, I, I've said it a hundred times, but one always finds Christ in the room. Suddenly, you know, I'm bringing Christ, the Eucharist and, and this anointing of the sick and everything. But um, I found Christ there in the room. And, and, and many of the people there were, uh, in a way, Christ to the person that's sick. The person that's sick is Christ, and we're bringing Christ. And suddenly the Lord was in his temple. And everything is worth it at that moment. Just that, the priest has the best life in the world because everything we do is a corporate work of mercy. It's, it's just wonderful. Uh, and the more struggle there is to get there, the more grace there is when you arrive. And, and it was so funny because I mentioned this only because it was exactly 3 o'clock when I began anointing him, which means 3 o'clock, of course, is the hour of mercy, the hour that Christ died for us. And I said, boy, the, the Lord really wants this individual to know that he's with, he's with them. He's pulling with them. He loves them. He's, he's, he's uh, he died for you. He loves you. It's, it's always a miraculous, a very sign of great grace. I, I went away from there thinking, um, oh, but I forgot to mention the best part. I walked in there. Remember, I'm parked in the wrong spot, right? Praying the meter maid won't show up. You know what I found up there? Four law enforcement officers were in the room. I thought, well, good, they're all up here. At least they're not down in the... <laughs> but, um, you know, um, because uh, I'm aware of this, because of the way that God, over the many years now of doing this, it, is, it seems impossible that through that all those different thing, preambulations, between the family calling and me getting there, how could God possibly arrange for an exact uh, three o'clock arrival, huh? Only God could pull something like that off, but I knew it was him. It, it was him. And in that way, 
you're, it really blows you away. It, it's one thing to have a, ch- a chance encounter that we can understand, but only God can arrange every circumstance of our lives mostly hidden from us. But every so often, we'll get this indication that God is with us, even in the greatest tragedies, that he's here. You know, he loves us. We're going through something for him. We're, we're learning, we're growing, we're suffering, we're enjoying, but it's always him. He says, please be with me in prayer, and I'll be with you in your daily life. Uh, recognize me as you go about your daily business, and more and more, I'll make myself known to you. So, excuse <coughs> <gives> me, Anna... <coughs> <clears throat> Annie and Simeon are, have so much to say to us, and it's so wonderful to have them uh, come in during the ordinary time every six or seven years uh, to instruct us uh, about life and how our Lord encounters us in the temple of our heart. Uh, sometimes we're waiting for him in prayer. Other times he surprises us, but always God is with us to, that we might encounter him in our lives.